episode 17 of the Shock Jacques Knicks podcast on the postingandtoasting.com website. Sean St. Jacques back here with you again. It is back, folks. The NBA is finally here. The games finally count. The Knicks were in action. A lot of stuff to get to on this week's show. Oh my gosh. I was I was going through uh our archives in the posting and toasting podcast network. We did at least my show. I think the other show did 15. We did 16 preseason shows. That's a lot of shows covering the offseason and the preseason. It is finally time to get into the games that count. We're going to break everything down from opening night for the Knicks, a few news and notes from other big games around the league as well, and then, of course, what's ahead for the Knicks this week. Some expectations. I want to go through a lot of player performances. I want to go through uh, really the big, the biggest thing, uh, which is the point guard situation right now as well. How certain guys did. R.J. Barrett's debut, Marcus Morris's debut in hostile territory. A lot to get to. I'm so excited that we are finally back in the NBA grind. The season has returned, and we have to start with 120-111 San Antonio on opening night over the Knicks. Now, just to preface this before I go through, uh, I actually, because of work and because of other things that I was doing on opening night, uh, I did have to listen to the first three quarters of this game on the radio, but I have to give a huge shout-out uh, to Ed Cohen and Brendan Brown. If you guys ever have a chance to listen to the Knicks on the radio, those guys do a phenomenal job breaking it down. I got to watch the fourth quarter with the, uh, with the great Mike Breen and and Clyde Frazier on MSG once I was able to get home. Uh, but I did listen and obviously watch the highlights back later. But uh, great job on the radio, as always, by those two. And again, I just want to, you know, as somebody that does radio play-by-play, uh, as well as part of this and other jobs that I do, those are two of the best uh, in the business. Obviously, Mike Brings, the the voice of the NBA, does the finals uh, on ESPN. So it was, it was great to, you know, get his... Uh, play-by-play for the fourth quarter but the third the first through the third Ed Cohen and Brendan Brown are uh, two of the best on the radio side and I thought Brendan Brown really summed it up well uh, after I not only listened to them but looked back at the highlights I I thought the Knicks running and gunning style was extremely effective Uh, San Antonio really struggled especially in that second quarter diving into that third quarter of hanging on to the basketball. Knicks did a great job of of forcing some turnovers. They got out and run and on and ran the floor. The big fellas really did a phenomenal job running the floor and it showed in the highlights and it showed in the game as well, not just listening to it on radio from my perspective. And and I got to be honest with you guys, I thought Julius Randle was phenomenal. Uh you can't have a much better debut. 25 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. And three steals, only one turnover, uh, about and shot ten of eighteen from the field, phenomenal. I, and again, that that's what we're looking for out of him. He could be a borderline All Star this season for the Knicks if he keeps putting up numbers like that. Obviously, a little disappointing from Alonzo Trier. He started but only played seven minutes, didn't make a shot, and only had one turnover. So that was pretty disappointing as well. We'll see what happens going forward. With him, R.J. Barrett's debut, just about as good as you could have asked. He had a big shot at the end of the third quarter, 
high off the glass, uh, you know, an ice water in the veins kind of shot that really gave the Knicks some momentum heading into the fourth, I believe. And nine of 13, 21 points. If you can get that more times than not out of RJ Barrett, the Knicks are going to be in really good shape with where his progress is at. Five rebounds, two assists, and two steals as well. And again, three turnovers, most on the team on opening night. But other than that, R.J. Barrett, really good for 37 minutes in his Knicks debut. I thought Bobby Portis wasn't great offensively. Again, took a lot of ill-advised shots. Three three-pointers that he took, all of them not in the rhythm of the offense. And Marcus Morris, again, really good. 9 of 18 from the field, 26 points. Uh, did have five fouls, but three steals, four rebounds. Did have a dime in there as well. Didn't miss a free throw and made three of seven from deep. And I, I got to be honest, he had some pressure on him, you know, going back to San Antonio and, and did well. Got booed a lot and, and really picked up his team at, at different times during the game. Uh, you know, honestly, good stuff from Kevin Knox off the bench. At least, you know, look at five rebounds, 13 points, five of nine shooting. Uh, really, the the two things that stood out that were really a problem for me were, were this. Dennis Smith was terrible. Uh, he was, my God, awful. Ten minutes, two points, one assist, one of four from the field, barely did anything on the floor. Meanwhile, Alfred Payton was the best guard on the floor for the Knicks. 26 minutes, he comes in 11 points. Five steals, eight assists, and two rebounds. When Dennis Smith was on the floor and when Frank Nilakina was on the floor and he wasn't on the floor for very long, nothing happened for the Knicks on the offensive end. Alfred Payton on the floor created a lot of opportunities for the Knicks to run and gun, to get out even on missed, even on makes or misses from the Spurs and get good looks at the other end. He ran the offense well. He did what Fizdale was looking for. And this is why I thought that Alfred Payton might steal the shine at the point guard position. These are the performances that help you out. Five steals from Alfred Payton is phenomenal. Knicks only turned the ball over 14 times. 21 forced turnovers against the Spurs. That was a huge part of the game. Obviously, the turning point of the game was that fourth quarter. The Knicks really got away from what they were doing offensively. Became stagnant. They were taking terrible shots out of rhythm in the fourth quarter. And when you give a team at home, especially a play, a borderline playoff team in the West in San Antonio, extra opportunities by taking bad shots, they're going to kill you. And I think San Antonio kind of put the Knicks away with that 18-0 run in the fourth quarter. I, I think the Knicks, it kind of happened, believe it or not, and this happens sometimes, uh, just be, you know, coincidence, you know, bad luck, whatever you want to call it. Knicks were playing well while I was listening on the radio. I get inside to watch them on television. It was about eight minutes to go once I was able to, you know, got kind of sit down and, and take in the rest of the fourth. And from that point on, the Knicks couldn't make a shot. And it was because they were taking poor looks, really not taking good shots. They, they got out of the offense that they really were using and, and had worked so well. And as I've talked about before, they let their offense dictate their defense and that, that really forced the Spurs to get extra opportunities to score. And DeMar DeRozan's going to kill you. Rudy Gay will kill you if you give them those extra opportunities. Spurs deservedly pull away and win. Knicks kind of shot themselves in the foot in the fourth. 
But overall, I think a Nick fan has to be pretty, pretty thrilled with the way that the first game went based on individual performances for the most part. Again, you know, the, the two guys, I think that were the most, obviously two things to keep in mind. Mitchell Robinson didn't play. We're hoping he gets back soon. Might be out a couple games. I think last time I looked, hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later. He could have been a difference maker in the opening night loss to the Spurs. But other than that, the guard play, you know, Alfred Payton steps up, Dennis Smith and Frank Nilakina in combined in 13 minutes, give you two points and give you two turnovers. Not good. And Nilakina made a big play, uh, rather gets a big steal and then ends up turning the ball over on an inbounds play, a killer uh, for momentum, you know, in an NBA game, giving the ball away on an inbounds play is a killer. So it's one of those things where Nilakina again, didn't get a lot of time, but didn't do well uh, with the time he had on the floor. And I, you know, the biggest downer from, from the opening night, Dennis Smith was terrible. He, he was really, really bad. I, and it's not going to be every night, but that, that was a rough thing to see, but it was also nice to see Alfred Payton kind of pick him up and, and keep the Knicks in the game. And again, the Knicks, you know, that, that was one of the things from last year. You can argue the Knicks weren't trying to win games last year, but there were games last year where the Knicks would make comebacks and would never get over the hump. They did that twice in this game but in the end that 18-0 run ends up killing them and san antonio gets uh in the end a nine point win on opening night for the knicks or rather for the spurs and the knicks you know again you you could look at really the second quarter when the offense started to pick back up in the first quarter both offenses were terrible i i i could tell that just from on the radio and brendan brown and ed cohen's uh, you could tell by as someone that does this uh, radio play-by-play stuff, you can tell when the, the broadcasters are getting a little bit frustrated with what they're seeing on the floor, especially Brendan Brown, the color guys. Normally, you're going to hear it from him first. The, the Knicks and Spurs both were terrible in the first quarter. It felt like a game from the 1970s. 22-15, to 15, the Spurs outscored the Knicks in the opening quarter. Brutal offensive showing. From the first, it finally picked up in the second quarter, uh, 37-36, the Spurs outscored the Knicks. But the Knicks made a late run at the end of that first, uh, at the end of the first half. Spurs kind of had it stable at that point, and the Knicks kind of trimmed it down and trimmed it down. Julius Randle was big in that second quarter, and you're kind of going in to halftime. I think they were down 8, 59-51 at the break. And I'm thinking, all right, the Knicks are not out of this game. And that's the thing in the NBA. If you keep it single digits at halftime, there's a lot of time left to, to make that up. And the Knicks showed in the third quarter that they were still right in the game. And they did make it up 33-24 in the third. You go into the fourth quarter with every chance to win. But again, that, that 18-0 run in, in a quarter when you get outscored by 10, an 18-0 run is going to absolutely kill you. And that's what that, that was the difference in this game. I thought free throw shooting was good, not great, 72%. From free throws, while the Spurs you know, shot 81, almost 81%. To be fair, the Spurs shot, I think, almost double the free throws the Knicks did. Knicks shot 18 free throws, and the Spurs, I think LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, or De- actually it was DeMar DeRozan, shot the most. Uh, they shot 36 free throws. That was a big difference uh, at times. Knicks in the half court weren't as aggressive at times, driving to the, to the lane. Other times were very aggressive. I thought... Kevin Knox and R.J. Barrett specifically were really pushing the issue in the half court. And R.J. Barrett at times looked like a monster out on the floor. He was phenomenal at times for the Knicks. And remember, he scores 21 
in his debut. I believe he's the youngest player ever to score 21 points in his NBA debut. And I think he's 19 years old, 131 days. I forget who I got that off of on Twitter. Might have been Ian Begley. And that eclipses LeBron James for the the youngest player ever to score 21 points in your NBA debut just over 19 and a half years old. If I got my math right on that, roughly 19 and a half. That's impressive. At San Antonio, by the way, with Greg Popovich on the other sideline. Again, not a lot of, uh, of stuff to go on as far as tape. It's the preseason and things like that. But some guys wilt under the pressure. R.J. Barrett was ready. His father, Rowan, was there as well, taking it in. That must have been a proud moment for him and for R.J. getting off on the right foot. And I think taking the result aside, taking the scoreline aside, you've got to be really thrilled with the way a lot of these guys play. Marcus Morris continued his, his good stuff from the preseason in that opener. R.J. Barrett played his best game. You, you, throw, you know, the preseason, if you want to throw those games in, R.J. Barrett efficiency wise stat stuffing wise his best game so far and it comes in the first game that matters that's big and Julius Randle was phenomenal I, I I loved what I saw out of him and Brandon Brown said it on the radio broadcast if the Knicks bigs are willing to run and you see those spurts that is a really nice combination to have with the effort you're looking to see from the Knicks on the defensive end, which we saw for the first half, and it trickled into the third quarter, and it lost it in the fourth quarter. That's because the Knicks were taking bad shots. The defense really got stuck because of that. That's a heck of a combination. That's going to lead to a lot of wins this season. So there were signs. And I think David Fisdale, in his post-game uh, press conference, you can kind of tell he was not thrilled, as, as they should be. They lost the game. But I think he was, you could see the positives, and I think he saw it more than anybody. And obviously he would because it's his team and he knows the personnel as well as anybody. He he has got to be pretty happy deep down. I don't, I don't think he'll say it publicly because they lost the game. There were a couple of guys, and he's not going to be thrilled because there were some guys that didn't play well. And, and to be honest with you, he should be concerned about the way Taj Gibson played. He wasn't, I'm sure he's not thrilled with the with Smith and Nilakina. You know, Wayne Ellington didn't give you a lot either in 13 minutes. But Alfred Payton, Kevin Knox, Randall, Barrett, Morris were all phenomenal. And again, Bobby Portis gave you a little bit, but again, he took some really bad shots. That's that He's going to be tough to watch at times this season. I've, I've talked with a number of people that, 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 like me, watch a lot of these games and, and will tune in however they can to take these games. Bobby Portis is going to be tough watch this year. I <laughs> just, he's going to, you're going to look at his stat line. You're going to be like, Hey, he did some things. 8.7 rebounds, five assists, two steals. And again, at times, especially on the defensive end, he was very good. There, there's no question about that. He's got the athleticism and the length to be a problem on defense at times. However, he takes some really ill-advised shots on the offensive end and, and that's stuff that has to improve. And he's, yeah, again, 10 shots to get to eight points. Yikes. Not very good. So work in progress there. But overall, I think you got to be thrilled. You got to be absolutely thrilled with the way that certain guys performed, different spurts in the quarter. You know, I had a lot of people, you know, again, disappointed that they lost, but there were a lot of butts. There were, hey, but they played well. You know, there would be games where the Knicks would go to San Antonio, even in years where they were good and get absolutely run off the floor. Now, again, you look at this Spurs roster. This is a borderline playoff team. I think I said that in my Western Conference preview. 
there are good players. LaMarcus Aldridge is still one of the most consistent bigs scoring the rock in the NBA. He's good for 20 and 8 almost every night. And he'll throw in a couple of assists every once in a while. He might get a couple of blocks. He was solid last night. And the Knicks at times didn't have an answer for him on the defensive end. DeJounte Murray was solid. I, you know, he he played well for the Spurs last night and was also two rebounds and four assists away from a triple-double. That's a long way away. But he had three steals as well. So you, you look at those guys, and that's, a, that's pretty solid. Knicks kept DeMar DeRozan in check. DeMar DeRozan's biggest basket was when the Knicks were already down eight in the middle of that 18-0 run. You know, 13 points on 10 shots. DeMar DeRozan had more than half of his points from the free throw line. So, you know, again, Knicks held him in check shooting the ball where he can get going. But again, he was able to kind of impose his will a little bit, get to the free throw line, missed four free throws. It's a little un-DeMar DeRozan-like at times. But 13, if you, if you had told De- David Fisdale before the game that you'd held, you would hold DeMar DeRozan to 13 points, he'd tell you you were crazy. But that's what the Knicks did. Uh, but they got to, you know, the Spurs give them credit. They always seem to get a, a good performance out of somebody. And Bryn Forbes was that guy. 20 points on 12 shots, five rebounds. And he did he did pluck an assist as well. So, you know, guys step up. You know, the, the biggest difference, I think, in the game, if you're looking for what, what happened, you know, as far as uh, deeper into than just the one 18-0 run and, and the Knicks at times not being good on the offensive end and that leading to poor defense... You know, for me, the bench scoring first for San Antonio. It's a bit of a deeper team. More guys can score. Everyone's involved in the offense. It's a very team-oriented game where at times there are guys on the floor for the Knicks where you know, yeah, they're, they're probably not going to score. And and in the end, you know, off the bench specifically, uh, goodness, I think they had 30 points, something like that. Off the bench, Rudy Gay had 13. Jakob Pertl had six points. Uh White had nine points, Patty Mills had eight, and even Marco Bellinelli uh, knocked down a free throw and got a bucket. So it, it's one of those things where that that's tough. You know, it, it's tough when the bench puts together that big of a performance. On the other side, listen, Kevin Knox had 13 points, Alfred Payton had 11 and, and was a stat stuffer, but then only two points from Taj Gibson, Dennis Smith Jr., two points, and Wayne Ellington knocked down a three. That was it. So it's a lot more balanced on the San Antonio side where a lot more guys can beat you. And in the end, you look at free throws, you look at that 18-0 run, the big thing, the consistent factor was that the, the, the Spurs bench really did a lot better, especially in the first half, of outscoring the Knicks bench. And when that second unit comes in, that, that's the chance to keep the momentum going, and that's where the Spurs really kind of separated themselves, not only on the court, but in the statistics, if you're looking at that as well. That combination, you know, the Spurs are a veteran team. There's veteran guys on this roster as well. You throw in an 8.11 rebound performance from Trey Lyles. Now, what I really like, what the Knicks did, is they got some of the stars from the Spurs to turn the ball over. Four turnovers for LaMarcus Aldridge. DeJounte Murray turned it over four times. And DeMar DeRozan turned it over four times. 12 turnovers from three of the top leading scorers on the team, at least on the night, and of course Aldridge and DeRozan are going to be the stars on this team, That that's pretty darn good defensively from the Knicks. And I think that that is something that can be built upon. I think the Knicks can be pretty happy with that. But again, there's a lot of room to improve. 
But to, to, to have the lead going into the, or, you know, I guess it was tied going into the fourth and to have a chance to beat the Spurs on their home floor on opening night, that's a, that's a solid start to the season. So I, I think the Knicks have to feel pretty good about that. Some of the performances were great. Others weren't so good. That's going to happen. I, 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 you want to give me, a, I don't know if I want to grade it. I'm not going to grade the performance, but I think Knicks fans have to be optimistic going to Brooklyn for game number two. And I think that the coaching staff for the Knicks, along with the players, have got to feel like they've got a little bit of confidence going into that game, especially the way Brooklyn played on opening night. They didn't, they played okay. They didn't play great. And I'll get in a little more of that coming up, but take some confidence away from that performance and then see what the Knicks can do in the next game. We'll look ahead to the next Nick game and we'll look ahead to the rest of the opening weeks of the season. I do want to give my, my I do want to give some thoughts on some of the other big storylines from around the NBA as well. After this break on the Shock Jock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, I want to dive in to what's coming up with the Knicks first. I do want to get to some other NBA storylines, a couple from the opening nights of the season as well. I I, I do love giving my takes around other teams, especially that affect the Knicks in the NBA. Uh, let me start off with the the upcoming schedule. And obviously the Knicks play the Nets next. It's going to be a hostile environment in Brooklyn. But the good news is, is the Knicks fans will show up. It's going to be hopefully roughly half and half. Last time I went to a Knicks-Nets game at Barclays Center, I think KP might have been still playing. But uh, the Knicks fans really show up. Obviously both teams stunk uh, at that period in time. Uh, but but I, I think this, because it's early in the season, I think Nick fans are really going to show their support. And I really like that. To be fair, they, they do no matter what, it seems, uh, the Nick fan. But I, I like how the Knicks played going into this game. And, you know, I had the chance to kind of look ahead and, and see how Brooklyn did. I have a lot of, I'm sure like many of you, a lot of annoying Brooklyn fan friends that were tell me how they were going to dispatch the Timberwolves on opening night at home, how great they were going to be in that game and listen you'll you look at a couple of things i got a chance i didn't watch the game obviously i looked at the highlights and uh talked to a few people that that follow the team you know obviously you look at kyrie irving he was great you know 50 points goodness is a heck of a way to open up your brooklyn nets career and took 33 shots that's a lot of shots to be fair 50 points eight rebounds, seven assists. And other than that, you know, okay. stuff. I mean, Karis LeVert, 20 points, but on 19 shots, uh, Prince had 15 points on 13 shots. And Joe Harris had 14 points, five of nine from the field. He knocked down four triples and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, who normally plays pretty well off the bench, 14 points, but to be fair, five turnovers and Karis LeVert had five turnovers as well so again those are guys the Knicks could maybe key in on is trying to turn them over and 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 kind of 
crash things down in this game specifically now listen the timberwolves have a balanced attack covington had 15 wiggins had 21 uh cat had 36 and uh jeff teague had 14 and they had 21 off the bench from jake layman combined with josh akogi so th- there was some balanced scoring there and it was a tight game you know the, the the nets couldn't get the final shot to go and the timberwolves win in brooklyn on opening night there were two this was a tale of basically of two quarters the 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 nets laid an egg in the first quarter 33 22 the timberwolves came out firing in the first quarter and the nets kind of recovered in the third quarter outscoring minnesota 37 to 20 minnesota made up for that in the fourth they outscored the nets by five and they get the last stop to win in overtime 127 to 126 one thing that I think that, you know, a lot of people I talked with and from the from what I saw, very, and, and this is expected, I think, very reliant on Kyrie Irving. And, and not, not just because he scored 50 points. Again, he, he scored, gosh, a, a ton and a ton of the load on offense. 33 shots. My God, it is... I guess expected again that's what I kind of thought was going to be part of what the problem might be for the Nets this season was that they were going to need a lot from Kyrie Irving and that could affect other players on the floor but I think if you're a Nets fan there there are two things that I think would be concerning number one you know Karis LeVert not efficient not great on the defensive end at times and, and Joe Harris was the only other one besides Prince out of your starting five that was in double figures Allen gave you six and nine rebounds had five blocks so so that was I guess roughly what you're expecting from him in 36 minutes bench wasn't great besides Spencer Dinwiddie to be fair not a lot else to go to there and DeAndre Jordan was terrible for the Nets absolutely god awful on opening night only took one shot missed it he actually made two free throws i don't know how that happened but he made two free throws sure the earth was shaking out of the barclays center with those two tickled the twine but other than that he committed four fouls and turned the ball over that's all he did so that that's pretty disappointing if you're a nets fan and pretty you know pick your head up a little bit if you're a knicks fan that, that you know a bit disappointing from the nets on opening night things the knicks could look at as as ways to kind of take them apart a little bit but also keep in mind the Nets are going to be a lot more motivated to take down the Knicks now after this performance where a lot of Nets fans were thinking they're going to really make a statement on opening night they end up losing they're going to this is their game where they're going to try to make a statement and the Knicks have to be ready they have to play exactly like they played in San Antonio to have a shot in this game and and I'm talking about winning you're not keeping it close if you want to win you got to play like you played against San Antonio and try to pull off that shocker and really put an early shock to the net systems if you can on opening night i i as a knicks fan individually with certain guys i feel good but as a team you know i i I wouldn't i wouldn't feel great going into this game the nets again are motivated the knicks uh, have to go in there as if not more motivated to make a statement than the nets are if they want a chance in this game and again you get try to limit kyrie irving if you can but if you can't do that, limit a Karis LeVert or a or a Spencer Dinwiddie or a Joe Harris. You, you know, these are the guys that they're going to look to try to beat the Knicks with, along with Kyrie Irving. If he's having a similar performance 
like he did against the Timberwolves, it's going to be tough. But I, I think that you just continue to play extremely gritty on the defensive end and run and gun, even on makes. And I think Brendan Brown pointed that out well the other night. When the Knicks are out and running and the bigs are hustling, they're getting up the floor, whether the team, whether the opponent has made a shot or not. Those are the chances where the Knicks can really make a run in the game. And, you know, couple that with some really solid defense, they can make it tough on the Nets. And and I think that would be really a huge stepping stone this early in the season if they could go to Brooklyn and if not win, really make it tough on the Nets. And I I think that I know a lot of Nets fans that that reached out to me (laughs) were shocked how well the Knicks played on opening night. I, I don't think they expected the Knicks to be that good in San Antonio and yes, have a lead in the second half and have a chance to win the game before that 18 0 run with eight minutes to go. So, you know, there, there were opportunities where the Knicks really showed that they can hang around with these good teams. Now it's about getting over the hump. Like we talked about in the actual game recap itself, getting over the hump and showing that, you know, we can do it. We, we can put it all together and beat a team that's supposed to make the playoffs and supposed to be building something and all of these things, it showed with the signs against San Antonio, and we're hoping that it takes another step against the Brooklyn Nets. So, again, I think Knicks fans have to feel good, not great. And let's see if we can build on that performance if you're a Knicks fan and go into that game at the Barclays Center with Knicks fans there as well supporting you and see how it turns out. So I'm looking forward to that. After that game... The Knicks finally come home uh, for for their home opener at the Garden against the Celtics. Pretty big game there. Well, Celtics didn't look great in Philly on opening night. They didn't look great. Uh, You know, Philly's very good. You know, I think I had them second in the East in my preseason uh, rankings. Uh, They could easily, you know, challenge who I think it'll be the Bucs for that first spot in uh, in the Eastern Conference. But I think for right now... I, I think you look at you look at two things, and, and I think the number one thing is the Celtics played a very good team, and they'll, they'll be looking to bounce back in their second game, and then they play the Knicks on Saturday. Actually, do they have a second game? Let me take a look. Because the Knicks play back-to-back, a back-to-back then. They play the Nets, and then they because it's in Brooklyn, they come right back the next night and play the Celtics. Yeah, the Celtics play the Raptors at home, and then they have a back-to-back. They go to New York, and they'll take on the Knicks on the 26th. So I'm looking forward to those games, and there haven't been many times as a Knicks fan lately where I can say I've been looking forward to a game, but I'm excited to see how we do against the division. I'm excited to see how maybe we can shock Brooklyn or shock Boston. I, and I think, like I mentioned earlier, if we can split that somehow and win one of those two and then beat Chicago, a team we should beat, on Monday, now things are looking a little bit different. Things are looking a little bit different than they did a couple of weeks ago. And again, that's the next step is starting to win games and winning against the teams you're supposed to beat and the teams that maybe no one thinks you can beat. And I think that we saw those signs against San Antonio that this Nick team can do some things. And there is some depth. There is some concerns, but it's early. And certain guys have stepped up already. They've shown you what they can provide if they're playing well consistently in this 
2020 season. And on top of that, I, I really think that there's a way. There's a way that they're playing. They're they're running and gunning. They're making things happen in the half court. They're driving to the basket with confidence, consistency, and strength to get to the 10. They're playing well on defense when they get back and they don't take bad shots. And again, progress. That's what we're looking for. And I, I know I, maybe it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse with this stuff, but again, it's not going to look good when it's not there. And that's why we try to you know, focus on this because this is what could lead to the positive results that Nick fans are looking for. And that's the bottom line. Like there's no other, there's no other way to put that. You know, that's what's going to lead the Knicks down the right path is being consistent with these performances and being able to show the rest of the NBA that this is a team that is making progress. Because remember folks, that's the plan. For whether it's the free agent period after this season or after next season, that's when you're hoping to get the big players in when this progress is going to pay off. And these are the steps you have to take. These are the steps that have to be made to get there. And this was a good first step, even in a loss for the Knicks. It really was. And I'd like to see step two be made at Barclays Center coming up later this week. Two things I want to get to uh, before I wrap up the show. A couple of news and notes from around the NBA. I tweeted out for those that follow me on Twitter at SJ7 on Twitter. And for some people, I got a little misconstrued. I tweeted out that the NBA is back. And it wasn't that, hey, basketball's back. You know, it's opening night. Blah, blah, blah. The NBA is finally back to being a league worth watching during the regular season. Maybe that's a little too early to say, but I just look around the league. An opening night really showed me something. And there were two phenomenal games on opening night. The Raptors and the Pelicans went to overtime on banner night up in Toronto. And it was a hell of a game. It really was. The Raptors got a big punch from the Pelicans, even without Zion Williamson. And they surprised me, the Pelicans, how well they played. To be honest with you, I did not expect them to have much of a fight against the Raptors, but to be fair, that that is the the saying goes that on banner night, teams that that are hanging the banner tend to struggle on banner night. And the team that's there, the opponents, want to ruin it. Kyle Lowry said after the game that he was hoping that that it was going to be a win. They were going to do whatever it took to win. And in the overtime, they took over and they win 130 to 122. So it's nice, you know, not for the division. You know, the Knicks are not going to be thrilled that the Raptors did well on opening night, but... I think for the league, it's nice to see that that was a good game because that could have been a wash on opening night. It really could have been a blowout, but the Pelicans showed up to play and it made it interesting. But for me, the big NBA is back moment was LA versus LA at the Staples Center. And man, they are that is a must-watch game. It is a must-watch game, even without Paul George. That is a must-watch game now. It really is. It, it, it's not even like it used to be the last time the Lakers and the Celtics were any good at the same time when it was Lob City against the, the remnants of the, those great Kobe Bryant teams from the early 2010s. You know, that, that those kind of games where the Clippers seemed to win every time and it was just because Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan kept lobbing and dunking over Pau Gasol and whoever was taking Andrew Bynum's spot that night before they got rid of him and sent him to the Sixers. 
So like, like it's one of those things where this game, LeBron versus Kawhi, AD, Paul George not playing. AD played well, especially in the in the in the second and rather in the in the third quarter and in the first quarter, to be fair as well. Man, that is going to be fun to watch all season long. I, I cannot wait to see those two play however many more times they're going to play at the Staples Center. And, you know, LeBron said it best during the offseason. The biggest winner of the offseason was the Staples Center because they're going to be, it's going to be crazy every night when those two teams get together. And again, for the Clippers to win without Paul George sent a big statement to the Lakers. I think a lot of people thought the Lakers would go in and win uh, in the Clipper-filled Staples Center, though there were a lot of Laker fans. They're all a lot. I think they might have even outnumbered the Clipper fans. By the way, Knicks fans, take notes. I want to see that at Barclays Center. I want to see us outnumbering the Nets fans when we go to, to Barclays for, for night number two. But anyway, the NBA is back because there's a lot of good teams now. It, and Stephen A. Smith, who, you know, you can take it or leave it with him, at least in my opinion, he said that there were nine title contenders. That's a stretch. But I'd say there's five. I'd say there's five legit title contenders in the NBA this season. And that helped to prove that on opening night. And I am just thrilled. I am thrilled with where the league is at right now as a whole. And as an NBA fan, not just a Nick fan, but a guy that loves watching the NBA, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And listen, you look in the East, certainly the Bucks are in the conversation. The Sixers are in that conversation. And then in the West, you look at, obviously, you look at the, the Clippers, you look at the Rockets, you look at the Nuggets, then you maybe look at the Lakers if they can stay healthy. That's six right there. And if you're feeling frisky and want to throw in the Celtics, that's seven, but I think I'd probably go five. I'd probably take out the Nuggets, maybe the Lakers. One of those two teams comes out. You got five teams that have a legit shot to win this thing, and that is phenomenal to start the season because there have been so many times where it has been, oh, it's Golden State, or oh, it's the Miami Heat, or oh, the Lakers are going to win. It, decades. It's been, there's two or there's one or two teams that are likely going to win it, and we'll see if anybody stops them. There are legitimately five teams that can win the NBA title. That's a big deal. And in so many times in the NBA season in the past where it's just been games that are just not worth watching and you're forced to watch, like I would watch, college basketball, the NFL, whatever it is, you got to look for something else, especially if your team's not doing well, a.k.a. the Knicks. This is a brilliant time to be an NBA fan because for me... For, for the next couple nights when the Knicks play, after that game, there are other games that I want to watch. There are other games that I will, will will be looking to tune in for. That's a big deal. It really is. And I think the NBA has got to be thrilled with what happened during the offseason and what happened on opening night because that is a good sign of things to come for this NBA season. And, and, I, and I think you look at the the... the the first again, there's a couple of teams that haven't played yet that I'm really excited to see how they look in the West. The two teams that haven't played yet are the Warriors and the Rockets, two of the most compelling teams in the West, where you don't know where they're going to be. I'm really excited to watch them 
get underway. I think the, the, the I think Golden State hosts the Clippers. That's a great first game for them to see where they're at. I think the Rockets host the Bucks, who haven't played yet either. That's a great game that's must-watch as well. And then on top of that, the Hawks haven't played yet either. So we'll see how they look in their first game, their opening night as well. So a lot to look forward to on the NBA slate. Listen, upcoming, you know, next week's going to be an inter- interesting show. We'll break down the next few games. You know, we can't get to every game individually, but we'll try to do the best and worst from the Knicks and the NBA each week. We'll try to cover as much as we can on the Shock Jock Knicks podcast. Every week, I want you guys sending me questions, your thoughts on where the Knicks are at, where the NBA is at, where your players are at, what your thoughts are. There's tons of stuff to get to because finally, the NBA is back. There's been so many preseason shows, 16 of them. I don't know how I got through it, but we're finally here. The games matter. The teams matter. You matter. And we will see you next week on the Shock Jock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.